Welcome, friends, to the Sasquadcast, the only podcast all about Camp Susqua. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a wide-ranging conversation with Ted Cluck. Ted is a professor, author, and a podcaster who spoke at our fellowship weekend for our summer staff just before they dove into ministry with campers here at Susqua. In this conversation, we cover a lot of things, including the two different kinds of students Ted sees at a Christian university, how the Word of God has personally transformed his own life, and even some wit and humor here and there. Thanks for joining us around the proverbial campfire. Let's listen in. We are here. I'm David Vest. I'm the program director here at Camp Susqua, here with Peter Swift, our director. And as he would say, live and in studio, we have Ted Cluck. Ted is an author, college professor, and a uh, a bit of a podcaster in his own right. You've got some some nice little operations going there as an experienced podcaster myself. So, <laughs> Ted, could you introduce yourself for our, our listeners? Oh, yeah. Or, I mean, Ted, I, I could introduce uh, you. you. you I've got it. some you content. You could do that intro from last night. That was spectacular. No, uh, I'm Ted Cluck. Great to be here. I'm um, speaking here for a couple of days. And uh, these guys, you know, now on the radio and, and last night in front of a crowd have, have given me two stellar introductions. So it's a, it's a lot for my ego to handle. I'll say that, you know, a lot of decadence in one time. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Well, we had uh, one of your co-hosts on the, the podcast just yeah. a few episodes back and that was Barnabas. So we're, how do you do? Let's, uh, let's, let's just break it down for a minute. Well, I, it was a, uh, I, I'd hate to stroke his ego too much. I think it's yeah. our most listened to podcast wow. episode yet. Uh, something about the Piper name, I guess. So I'm looking forward to your... I wonder if I could beat his numbers. Yeah. You know? Well, we got the Barnabas bump. I want to see the Cluck bump now. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, really, you probably are... I mean, don't... Ted, don't act like you didn't listen to it. Oh, I mean... Because I'm sure that you saw the analytics on your own podcasts, Mm -hmm. just the the splashover effect. Your listenership probably rose drastically that month by having one of your co-hosts featured on the Sasquadcast. Well, it was massive, you know, and, and yeah, we poured over the spreadsheets and just wondered all these new kind of Pennsylvania Northeast <laughs> listeners, what's the cause? And uh, we're, we're looking at them right here, you know. <laughs> Um, we got a, a podcasting pro in our midst for oh. sure. Oh, shucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we are here during fellowship weekend, which is what we call the, the two, three days, uh, between our two weeks of counselor orientation. So Ted, you've been sharing with our, our counselors just mm-hmm. before our first campers come as of this recording tomorrow. So, yeah. uh, can you tell us first, tell us a little bit about yourself. How, yeah. how can we, uh, how should we think of who is Ted Cluck? Well, first of all, I owe it all to my dad, John Piper. <laughs> I learned everything from him. No, John Piper's not my dad. Uh, how should you think of Ted Cluck? That's a really interesting question. Um, you know, I, I think my path into writing and even my path into like speaking and doing stuff like this is a little bit unusual in that I'm not a pastor. Uh, I wasn't a professional academic. I still don't think of myself as an academic. I mean, I'm a practitioner. You know, I was a a working writer for 15 years doing magazine work and book work. And the Lord just kept kind of putting opportunities in front of me. 
And a decade or so ago, he put an opportunity in front of me to speak at a camp that we love dearly in northern Michigan called Camp Barakal. Um, it's become a part of the, the rhythm of our year, you know, and we look forward to it. And we've made dear friends there. And so we have a, a high view, I think, just as a family of camp ministry and what y'all are doing up here. And um, when Peter reached out, uh, it was an easy yes. So I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm a football coach. Uh, I coach at Lane College. I'm a, a professor at Union University, um, which is a Christian college that is still Christian, by the way. Um, I do like to add that. And uh, we're in Jackson, Tennessee, and um, I do a little do a little boxing on the side, so I'm into that right now. But um, just enjoy coming to places like this and, and meeting people like y'all. So as a university professor, then you are interacting with the age group yeah. of our staff yeah. all, all the time. Truly. And you had some insightful comments last night about the different different kinds of Christians you see mm-hmm. showing up at a Christian college. I think there's some yeah. overlap there at the yeah. uh, Christian camp. Could you share a little bit about what? Yeah, so we're in, we're in Romans 12 this weekend just talking about practical theology, right? How all practice is theological and how all theology is practical for, for the Christian and yeah, I was just kind of painting the picture of these two people groups that I encounter at Union. One being unspeakably smug, right? They've been sort of bubble wrapped and curated by their their heavily involved parents and moved through childhood kind of um, without ever experiencing failure. And so this person is very arrogant for no reason. Um, so that's one people group. And the enemy, I think, would seek to keep that person kind of uh, isolated in their own smug arrogance. And then the other, the other people group is unspeakably guilty, right? So for a variety of reasons, this person thinks God, God wouldn't want me because of what I've done, you know, and the enemy would seek to keep that person kind of isolated and in shame and guilt and despair. And, you know, thankfully the gospel speaks to both groups. Um, and thankfully, you know, the book of Romans really speaks to both groups, right? Cause you had people who are puffed up on their own, you know, supposed virtue. And then you had people who were sinning in these kind of technicolor ways. And, and Paul speaks to both groups of people. Um, so I find that really encouraging. I think it's really current for the moment that we're in at Union, you know, the kind of students that I see from year to year. And, and I really do love college students. You know, they're, they're fun. They bring an energy that as a middle-aged man myself, I, I lack. So I, I just siphon off their energy and it's good for me. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, just just you know, Ted, this is Peter speaking. I, I I didn't really appreciate being called out the way you did last night when you were sharing. Talk about that. <laughs> Let's let the healing begin, baby. Okay, I didn't know but, there was ill will. I mean, in the it, room. it was just yeah. uh, you know really. I, I thought you were going to be talking about something foreign to me. Something that, oh, these college students experience not yeah. not something that I would directly like you know see myself in right. uh, your descriptions. But it was really great for you to share that. But kind of along those lines with. Uh, I, I think that was an interesting, di- you know, bisection of uh, what you're seeing in the colleges. What are like the biggest challenges you see for your college students? Like, what are they? What are they? What's like the struggle du jour yeah. for college students these days? This is probably pretty uniform around the country, from what I've been hearing. I, I think they're really isolated. I think they're very achingly lonely. You know, so in a weird way, like public speaking is easy for them, but relating in this way is hard for them hmm. um, because it requires some vulnerability hmm. and some openness and some willingness to share. And uh, so I, I think they struggle with that. I think they're lonely. Um, you know, I, I think 
in the context we're in in the South, there's just a lot of cultural Christianity. There's a lot of a sense of, you know, I, I come from this two parent white family and we went to church, so I must be saved, you know, and there's no affection for Christ in the heart. There's been no repentance, no experience with the spirit. And, um, it's, it's an interesting moment to be in because the, the anxieties, the despair, the, the sort of dawning realization that I don't know Christ that often happens in college. So it's interesting as a professor and it's cool to be there and be, to be able to conversate with people about it and share about it and share about my own experiences. And, um, you know, in some cases be there when the kid thinks he's ready to chuck his faith and make an appeal there. Um, and, and really plead and share and pray and it's intense. Uh, but it's really rich. The Lord's been kind to let me do that. That is fascinating. Cause what you're described with that loneliness and the lack of the, the need to be vulnerable with each other, but the unwillingness and just the despair that goes like, mm-hmm. that's hitting both those classes of people you talked mm-hmm. about. The, the smugness, they're the ones that aren't going to be vulnerable. They're not unwilling or they're too scared to be vulnerable. Yeah. Then you also have the others that are like, they're, they're man, they're in despair. Like, how can I face other people when I'm like this? That's right. So that's yeah, right. I, that's like a, that, I could see that being like really universal. That's a, that's really interesting. Well, and, and social media kind of encourages a performative life, right? So everybody's their own press agent starting from like the moment their parents hand them a smartphone in sixth grade or whatever. And then, and they're, so they're curating, they're performing in some ways they don't know how not to perform. Right. And so getting them in a context where they can be in a room with people or even just be in conversation with me and have an uncurated non-performative thought is a, is a really important thing. Well, and not only are they curating what they're putting out, all of their experiences of other people is what other people have curated to. That's it. And, and so it's monumentally competitive. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I, I see them being fatigued by the competitiveness. You know, they're worn out by it, actually. Well, I feel like our parents collectively probably struggle with that to some degree, too, because, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses. Sure. But that was like lawn care related. You know, like, well, yeah, like, oh, they've got like, a nicer car than we do. They have a they might have a nicer lawn. And but it was a lot of imagine. But now we're yeah. inside their minds. We're inside their houses. We're inside their families. Right. All the time. So now you're competing on every single level. Yes. Personally, that's that is you're how seeing, do you deal with that? Right. You're seeing their vacations. You're seeing their quote unquote amazing job. And there I often tell people, you know, there, there would be a way for any of us to curate our lives in such a way that we could make other people jealous with it. Right. Yeah. But in fact, the life may be banal or boring or even hard yeah. or even um, in some cases nightmarish, you know, but anybody can kind of game the, the image curation thing. And uh, it's, it's really gross. And they sense at a deep level that it's gross and they want something different, but I don't, I don't think they fully trust that something different is available to them, you know? Yeah. I'd, I'd love to pull on this thread more, but to make it a bit personal, thinking mm-hmm. back to your own college days. Sure. Uh, which one of those two options that you outlined earlier would you say you were? The <sighs> unspeakably smug or the unspeakably guilty? Yeah, probably guilty. Um, definitely a little later. After college, definitely unspeakably guilty. Um, I think in college, I was, I don't want to say I'm super unique and I'm creating a third category for myself, but I was like, I went to this super posh kind of Tony upscale Christian college where there were like 
1,200 rich kids from Wheaton and Grand Rapids and then 100 dirtbag football players. And I was one of the dirtbags. So I had this like tremendous chip that resided right here, you know, and I was, I was looking askance at everybody because in my mind they were looking down on me, you know, which they probably weren't. They probably weren't looking at me at all, you know, but um, I, I had created this sense of like it's me against these people and that was in retrospect very stupid, you know. So even without social media, I was still doing it. I was still kind of like building this persona, I guess. You know. So can you talk about we train our counselors to try to share their story around yes. a campfire? Yeah. Like, how did Christ change you? What was that mm -hmm. process like for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me it was. And my my parents were new believers, so. And there were new believers in the 70s and 80s, which I, I think I said it from the front this morning. That was Apex Mountain for just sort of scattershot creating law. And, you know, you have this, you're, you're supposed to do this thing when you're like six where you accept Christ into your heart. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, good, I'm not going to hell. <laughs> you know, and then from that point forward, you grit your teeth and you kind of try to do whatever activities kind of scan to your parents as Christian and I was good at doing that because I, I, I truly love my parents and I did want to please them. And I, I wanted to please them, I think, for for decent reasons. But I had no affection for Christ, you know. So going to college, losing my sport for a while, getting really bitter about it, kind of dealing with this, you know, socioeconomic thing at my college. It, with, it was the first time in my life I'd ever thought about money. Mm -hmm. And it revealed a lot of hangups about money and and kind of haves and have not type stuff. And then for about a decade after that, just really letting bitterness kind of win in my heart, which led to a lot of sin and a lot of stuff I kept secret. And, and then having, you know, one verse, one part of scripture be living and active and cut me to the, to the quick from the pulpit. And it just burned me to the ground in the best possible ways. It was very painful and convicting. And it led to, just a, a torrent of repentance and restoration that followed, you know? So that's, that's kind of my story. And, and it's the story of understanding Reformed theology, right? And really starting to know it at a deep level in my head, but then experiencing it. Like it's one thing to white paper about grace. It's another thing to live it, you know? And mm. And having lived it and experiencing just the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and reconciled relationships and freedom from guilt and shame and despair and a, sort of a, a new way of relating to people, gosh, it's been joyful, you know, and I'm, I'm just really compelled to want to tell that story um, kind of al alongside this rich theology that we have, right? Which can, it can scan as a little stuffy and academic, but... Um, I think when you, when you pair it with a good story, it gets pretty compelling. And, and to me, one of my struggles with the perception of reform theology is that it's, mm -hmm. it's stuffy and academic and all that. And, and it, and for good, re those, mm -hmm. those are, those stereotypes exist for many good sure. reasons. But when you think about it, they understand that we bring nothing to the table, like absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. And that there is nothing particular about us that made us like, worthy of this gift yeah that should eliminate any pretense any like academic like out of any any like branch of theology i feel like 
the Reformed theology should be the most free from stuffiness and the most focused on grace. And yet here, here we are. Dude, that's so well said. And it's so interesting. And I've long argued, and I, I've argued this at my university, right? Which universities are, are like bastions of arrogance for no reason. And I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> of the adults there more than the students. But like, I've always made this argument, like, shouldn't we be the most humble people? Like, if we really understand this theology. And the least legalistic. That's right. Right. Yeah. Humility should be shot through, like, everything that we do if we remember what we've been forgiven and the the kindness of the Lord in our lives. So, I I never want to, like forget that yeah. you know well we, we talk i mean we, we literally sign our emails with soli deo gloria or we do yeah we we, we talk about the solas and all that but like mm-hmm. and and yet i i still feel like it's the it's a lot of the reformed one we're the stuffy we're the academic we're the yeah. uh arrogant pretentious and uh, it's really a I mean, again, stereotypes exist for a reason but like man we got to fight against that because like do. The, the the grace is so free and it's so like we are so unworthy of it that when we get legalistic and when we get self righteous, that that's yeah. the opposite of reformed faith, and yet we're known for it. Well, we so. are, and, it, and it's so funny that like you get a, a collection of like reformed people of a certain age in, in in a room, and out of it will flow so much new law. Right? Oh yeah, so, yeah. Like, there's kind of yeah. nothing on earth worse than a like a 25 year old reformed person, and yet that's exactly who we were when we were 25. And and in retrospect, we were relatively terrible, you yeah. know. Um, so yeah, you want to yeah, speak for it. yourself. I was awesome. Oh, yeah, you were incredible doing those backflips in, <laughs> in the river. I mean, my goodness. But uh, no. And it's good to be so. So, I remember when I was 25, and I was in this unspeakably smug Reformed church mm-hmm. with unspeakably smug people my age, and they were they were creating new law like it was their job, you know, and like certain lifestyle things, like I don't know, family size and how you educate your kids. Mm-hmm. These were placed on like an equal organ with you know what we think Christ's work on the cross accomplished. <laughs> you know, people were arguing for it as passionately. And I remember a few times there were like well-meaning sort of 50-year-olds in our church who would say, you know, you got you to pump the brakes on, on all this, you know, just, just kind of slow down, take a, take a step back, take a big look at it. And of course, nobody listened, but it ended up kind of being fairly disastrous. But mm. the Lord has a way of humbling you whether you, whether you want it or not. And it's interesting <clears throat> you say that because we see our counselors here many of whom love theology. And Peter was just remarking there was a conversation about eschatology going on on the porch before we walked in here. And we are so thankful that we have young people here that that care about the Bible and what it teaches. But we also want to remind them when, when we're dealing with kids to keep it centered centered on grace like you were mm-hmm. saying and easily applicable for yes. for an eight-year-old they, they don't need to right you know delve into super lapsarianism or, yeah, or right. the like but yeah. uh, that uh, and and you said it was one verse that that turned yeah. around your your life would you care to share what that was yeah let there be not even a hint of sexual immorality you know mm-hmm. and um yeah it burned me to the ground in a, in a great way and um changed my life and it was just a it was a part of a sermon right so um if we want to build this argument of of preaching verse by verse through the bible it's a pretty good argument yeah. to make you know and and i tell my students and my own kids all the time you know i 
and maybe I have a sense of this because of my age, right? I, I'm 47. I no longer feel, you know, like as though I'll live forever. You know, some days I feel the quite the opposite. But um, I, I have the sense that like I have a finite amount of time here on Earth, and I want to spend it. I mean, essentially going verse by verse through the Bible as many times as I can. You know, I'm, I want to read. I want to study. I want to I want to let the word change me and shape my heart. I want the church to be central for my family, you know, so it, I want it to be the hub around which our family revolves kind of socially and culturally. And um, by God's grace, he's he's put us in an amazing church body where where all those things are true right now. And I'm really grateful for it. So one verse breaking you down like that. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine, Ted, that wasn't the first time you've heard that verse. No, that's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, and to me, that just reminds me of the, like the fact that like, we're not doing the heavy lifting here. Like our, our pastors, counselors, whatever, whatever your role is. Yeah. Like th- the Holy Spirit and, you know, God is so involved in that work of bringing, you know, sinners to himself. That's and right. that like, again, we, we can't take cr- that pastor who, who uttered those verses. Yeah. It, it was not him that made that that's that it. brought you to repentance. It was the uh, the Holy Spirit. And that you know, to me, that's that's one such this like that's a double blessing because it you know it takes the burden off us. Yeah, but it also protects us from the temptation to take credit for what the, what God has done. And absolutely, that's, you, know, you know, really important to remember. Yeah, absolutely, Amen. And and thank God that there was Scripture in that sermon. Right. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, um, if it had just been some kind of nine minute homily on how to be a better person, I would I would. I would be dead in my trespasses still, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, grateful. We've talked about on the podcast before how here at Susquo, we don't want to use emotional manipulation or try and sensationalize our, our presentation yeah. of the gospel. And you've mentioned uh, your involvement with Camp Barakel yeah. and how they are of a, a similar heart. So mm-hmm. how did you get involved with summer camp ministry? What yeah. was that connection like? Yeah. So I was, I was pretty deep into my, you know, writing career at that, at that point, like a number of secular books under my belt and a number of Christian books under my belt. And I had landed in this. <laughs> and again, we were in mid Michigan, but I I'd found this like reformed church, but with a heart, and with humility <laughs> and I, I love this place so much. And the pastor there, his name's Norm Dufferin is, is a dear friend to this day and just loved Normie and loved sitting under his teaching. And, you know, he kept mentioning this place, Camp Barakal, and he was like, Oh, you gotta go up there and speak. You ought to go up there and speak. And I don't know, you can't just like invite yourself to go up somewhere <laughs> and speak. So, um, eventually Paul Gardner, the director there at Barakal, who's also become a dear friend and is one of the people I admire the most on the planet, just walks closely with the Lord, really gentle guy. Um, yeah, he invited me about a decade ago to come and speak to high schoolers and it's, they have a really robust chapel schedule. So it's either nine or 10 talks over the course of a week mm. that I was preparing. And I found that I loved the preparation, you know, so for a non-pastor or somebody like me to like check out commentaries and, and dive in and start, start to prepare that way. I took it really seriously and I always get really nervous when I'm opening the word. I don't get nervous for public speaking. Like I, I don't get nervous when I'm teaching a class at my school or talking about writing or whatever somewhere. But 
whenever I'm opening the word, I get really nervous because I don't want to screw it up and it's, it's weighty. So I just started doing that. And, and Paul kept asking us back and, you know, it really, I could get into a ton of details about it, but there was some like cottage drama on my wife's side of the family and like going up North for her was always this aspirational summer thing. And because of all this family kind of baggage and trauma, like her opportunity to go up North went away, but Camp Barakal kind of replaced it. And it really became this sweet, really special week for us. And the kids kind of grew up there. Um, they've, they've camped and Tristan counseled there last year and Maxim engineered, which means like chopping wood and washing dishes and doing all that kind of work. And I just couldn't be, happier about the place in our life that that occupies so we've just talked about how important the local church is and how valuable it is to be in a community going yes. you know verse by verse through the bible so yeah. why why can't because it's obviously not a church yeah uh, what what value does camping then bring that you see? Assuming that it brings some Assuming value. Assuming that, oh, yeah. that it brings any. I mean, boys, the jury's still out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> No, I mean, kids get to meet Peter, you know, so they get to meet a hero. I mean, a hero of the faith, but... No, I... So, I think for a lot of kids, it might be their only opportunity to hear a real sermon. You know what I mean? Or to, to, to hear scripture, you know, read out loud and hopefully handled well. Um, so, I, I think that's at play with camp. Um it is a chance to be away from mom and dad. And I think there's some, there's some value in that. Um, I know at Barakal and I'm sure here too, they do these things at Barakal called tribe talks where, you know, you kind of get back with your counselor and he asks some questions about the sermon and people talk and share some of their stories. And, you know, you're away from home, you're a little sleep deprived, you're a little vulnerable and um, good things tend to happen in that context. And it's, it's as much, and I, I, I say this because my son counseled there last year. It's as much a ministry to the staff as it is to the campers. You know, um, the growth that I saw in him was tremendous. Uh, so for him just to be around godly people all summer, um, hearing from the word every day, you know, there's there's real richness in that. And, li and like you guys said, I'm freed because I don't have to be this perfect pulpiteer, right? I don't have to be some you know, dazzling golden tongued public speaker up there because I'm reading the word out loud. I'm celebrating it. I'm doing my best to explain it. The spirit does the work and I've, I've got to think there's value just in filling a room like this and reading scripture out loud, you know, and kind of being together with it and talking about it. So, uh, a lot of kids don't have that, you know, now, I'd like to drill in on that just sure. a little bit too. I think I think it is, Dave, I, I agree. We are not a church. We don't want to be a church. We certainly right. don't want to be a replacement for church or anything right. like that. But, and this is, you know, any pastors or churches that are like listening to all this, the church growth stuff that's out there right now, like mm -hmm. I do really think like one of the things that we do, and I think we do well here, is campers do get to experience something akin to church. Like we start every day mm -hmm. with chapel where the kids have to sit in, well, I mean, uncomfortable seats. Sure. And they hear a chapel message before mm -hmm. breakfast. Yeah. And you know what? They can do it. Mm -hmm. They can do it every day and they do it well. They sit patiently and well. And like, and like that's, that's preparing them for church. They're, you know, they're going to go here and they're going to, they're, 
they're going to be more comfortable in a church as a result of having been through that. And, and you know, until you pa- all, all the thousands, well, hundreds of thousands by now, probably thanks to the, the cluck bump um, pastors yeah. that are listening to this, like it, kids, kids can, kids can handle it. They can yeah. sit in a service. They can hear the pastor. They can hear, uh, they don't just need games and activities. They can hear God's word preach. And I think that's you know, really an important thing. Yeah, no, I love it. And they're capable of it. And I think they even want it, you know, um, we've, we've got a decade plus in now with social media. And I think a lot of the things of the world they found to be wanting. And, uh, I, I think they're looking for something of, of depth and yeah, I mean, regarding the bump, you guys remember, um, the, the last shot in field of dreams where you kind of go wide on, on the, the road surrounding the field and, and it's just cars as far as the eye can see. Yeah. Like expect that after this episode drops. <laughs> so I hope your infrastructure is ready for it, you know, just with parking and, and all that, but uh, it'll be huge. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'm Well, and I'm wondering, um, so returning to our earlier conversation about the, your experience with young adults and how, this ministry here at at Camp Susquehanna, at Camp Barakel. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so true. We see more growth in our staff in a given yeah. week or over the course of a summer than any given camper. So what uh, what are are the prescriptions then to, to help come alongside those staff that are unbearably smug or yeah. unbearably guilty? How does camp ministry? Yeah help address that? I think providing avenues for conversation, providing opportunities to let them see you guys as slightly older men in the faith, like resolving conflict, praying together, taking things to the Lord, celebrating scripture. So what they see you do and how they see you resolve things, I think it probably means more to them than, than something in a handbook or some policy that you have in place. So Um, and you guys know, because you have dads and I have a dad and like, there's something about seeing another Christian man live out the thing that your dad has talked about. So, you know, by God's grace, Tris and, and Mazzy and I have a, we have a rich relationship, you know, and they've, they've seen me hopefully try to model the gospel in the home and, and all these things, but I'm, I'm hungry for them to see other men do it. So for Tristan to be with Paul all summer in a camp and, and see how he lives his, his life with the Lord was a blessing, you know, and other men in the church that have, have invested in my boys, that's, that's worth its weight in gold. I mean, there's nothing like it. There was a, a guy at my son's school who's on the pastoral staff at our, at our church. Um, he also teaches and, you know, he hired Maxim to do some janitorial work with him. And it was really a discipleship thing. And man, I mean, that's the kind of stuff it, um, it really chokes you up as a parent, you know, to see another man in the, in the body invest in my son. Um, you know, it's just the, the best thing ever. But also a little frustrating though, too. Cause like, they're saying the same thing you've said. I know, right? Like, it's like, I've this been is not that some for fifteen years. Yeah, this yeah. is not some new knowledge that my son yeah. is suddenly picking up on. But like, it does. It hits different when it comes from other it people, does. as Davis yeah. would say. You know, yeah, it, it, uh, and and I think in the camp in the in the camp setting too, whether it's for you know whether it's the staff or the campers. I mean, the campers, the nerdiest 
counselor is still a rock star. Oh, hundred percent. Because they like, I mean, I was a counselor and I was a total nerd and lame yeah. and like, but my campers thought I was awesome. You they hung thought, the moon to them. Yeah, yeah. and like they, they hung on my words. They cared about what I said. Mm -hmm. And I'm not again. There's no gnosticism here. There's no like new special yeah. gospel secret thing that we're teaching. But in the setting here with the people here and in this environment. Things stick that didn't stick before. 100%. And yeah. I, I think when you get that other, and, and I think for the staff too, it's the same thing. This is what, no offense said, but what you're telling them this weekend yeah. is not new information to most right. of them. Yeah. And they've heard Romans 12 how many times? Yeah. But I don't, but but the, it didn't always generate the same discussions yeah. afterwards that it does now. It didn't, yeah. you know, generate all those follow-up questions that it does in this environment from a different person. So yeah. Yeah. there is really, you know, really great value to that. Well, well, A, yeah. consistency, but also B, have, you know, hearing that from other people and seeing those perspectives. Well, and the temptation as a speaker is to want to either like try to be cool and relate to them in some way or try to be the super intellectual. Like I'm going to preach on some obscure chapter of Leviticus that you probably haven't thought about in eight years, you know, and, and like I, I, I have a strong sense that I'm going I'm going to do neither of those things, right? Like the, the being cool to anybody because I'm young and relate ship has sailed long ago. <laughs> and S same, I'm not, well, and I'm not the, I'm not the hyper intellectual Carl Truman. I'm going to exposit some, you know, super obscure, dusty section of Leviticus guy either. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to them. And th this is how the Lord always sort of prepares me for these summers I'm preaching to them the things that I most need to hear myself. Mm. And I, I sort of trust that if the Lord's, you know, putting me on this journey of needing to hear this, it's probably going to be profitable for them to hear it. And, you know, relating is a really interesting thing in that I don't listen to the same kind of music as them. Like our sports references are 20 years apart, pop culture, forget it. Um, but, I, but I still, and I see this at the college too. I still find myself relating and I hope, I hope the Lord always allows that, you know, and I think it has more to do with genuine interest mutually than it does with, with any kind of external thing that you might quote unquote connect on, you know, I, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. I was thinking about what you said a moment ago about how young people today are comfortable in front of a crowd, but relating one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. is a challenge for them and yeah. so i and i resonate that I, I resonate with that too i'm somewhere between uh the age of our summer staff and, and sure. your age and uh but the it's it's a lot easier sometimes for me to stand up and address yeah. them as a group than to to really drill down one-on-one -on -one. so how do how do we relate when <laughs> we're not cool well, I, I won't be cool uh, i wasn't cool when i was young I, yeah. I won't be getting any cooler they all kind of grow up in this like Nitox Stoa debate circuit, which is like creating little <laughs> monsters, you know, and then they have to unlearn all that stuff. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. And, and Paul and I at Barakal, we, we talk about this stuff for hours because he's, he's kind of in a quandary over it because at the beginning of his career as a camp director, he had to have rules in place so that like guys and girls wouldn't flirt with each other all the live long day. I'm talking about staff now. And now he almost has to have rules in place where he's like, no, it's okay to talk to them. Yeah. You know, like you can, you can have a conversation. It's not a betrothal. You know what I mean? So like yeah. the pendulum has swung like so far in the other direction. But I, 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 I don't know. I always default to like 
genuine care and question asking and interest. And I don't know if it's the journalist in me or the writer, like the, the character guy, but like, I'm just interested in characters. Like I really do want to know what they do when they're not at camp. Like, are you a student? Are you working for your dad's company? Like, and, and I'm the same way with my students. You know, I, I want, I want to know what's interesting to a 19 year old right now, you know, and the world being what it is, I have, thoughts and ideas and they have thoughts and ideas. And I, I had, uh, they love sharing stuff with me. Like my, sh- my students love to like share knowledge cause they know I'm not on social, but they know I still like care about stuff like music and I like enjoy music and stuff. So I had, I had two guys on the same day a couple of weeks ago, text me just to tell me that, uh, Maddie Healy from the 1975 and Taylor Swift were dating. And it was just like they were floating it across my transom, like, "Hey, Cluck, like, well, FYI, you need to know this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you need." If you're to gonna relate this. to us, this is some, this yeah. is important, this is critical, some foundational stuff. I'm like, nine one one, right here. Like, yeah, sweet of you to say. I would have never known that, you know. So they're kind she, of me. They're she's good. my cousin, so I, I keep to date on stuff like that. Oh, right? yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I hope some of that, that money's rolling down in the in the valley here. To, and I to wish it people. would. I mean, yeah. she doesn't even show up for Thanksgiving anymore. She's too bunch of a big shot. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, I. I heard you say, I think you shared that on the, the happy rant and I, yeah. I looked it up. I think they might've broken up already. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, it's a, what a sad day. I mean, who, who would have seen that coming? That's know? right. But I don't have students texting me to, to update me on pop culture. So yeah, it's helpful. You gotta, you gotta get that going. Well, I get, I get a lot of recommendations like television and pop culture recommendations from our staff. Now what's, what's one that you've that you've taken up that you've been delighted by. And then what's one that maybe like you, you've not. Oh. With? Yeah. I don't know if I can answer that first question. Oh no, actually I can. All right. Um, because Sp- I got a funny Spider-Man one. Spider Man enters the Spider Verse. Is that was that into what the first the one? Co- Spider Man yeah. into the Spider. Okay, it's like that was like four or five years ago. Yeah, they were really yeah, fired that, up about yeah. that. Uh, we in our in our in the summer that we don't talk about uh, twenty twenty with a really small staff. One mm-hmm. night, I'm like, hey guys, let's watch a movie, and they're like, yeah, let's watch this Spider. And, and like, I, a, I don't do superhero movies I anyhow. I don't really care yeah. about like I, I've watched yeah. like three Marvel movies. Maybe yeah, I don't. Me too. I watched the one with a guy with a metal suit. Iron Man. That's the one I watched, yeah. Because yeah. it was and, a nice character movie. And I watched the Black yeah. Panther movie because yeah. it seemed like everybody was. I yeah, it was like yeah. to, just to be a citizen of the world. Right, right. To go see that. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was very mediocre. Are we I, I, did not, I did not yeah. care for it. Um, yeah. That was like a but four. But I, I watched... <laughs> I watched Spider-Man Enters the Spider... And also, this is animated, so it's even further removed oh, from what I'm interested in. I didn't realize that, yeah. And I watched it. Blew my mind. Yeah. I loved it. And the yes. music was amazing. Everything... Like, it was funny. It was heartfelt. The story was huh. incredible. It was so clever yeah. and visually stunning. Yeah. I watched it, like, three more times this summer. And I'm watching it with the staff, who, for them, it was probably, like, their 10th time watching it. Yeah. And they were in... In fact, I liked it so much that when the new the sequel came out, uh-huh. my, my my whole family... We don't... This is the first movie we've gotten to see in the theater, like, that wow. I can remember. We went and saw it together a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And... The second one, just as good. Wow. But I did not know. Fair warning if any of you are going to go see it. Yeah. And, well, and our listeners too. Yeah. There's a third one coming. I didn't know that. Mm. So this one ends with a cliffhanger. Okay. And when you don't know that it's going to end with a cliffhanger, that is a very disruptive and disappointing ending. But if you know movie. there's a third one, you can rest a little more. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so, so that's the one that that one is that's most of the time when they recommending things to me, especially musically, yeah. I'm not really into it. I'm just not, I, but I also, I, I have such limited time. Like there's so much pop culture content that I would like to consume of the stuff that I like that I don't have time for. Yeah. 
that like adding it, it's almost like a chore yes yeah. to follow up on these things and i just it's so rare that like i i follow up on it it's usually i just make a list and yeah someday someday time i'll catch up but by then it'll be old anyhow it'll so be I, on to something else i travel once a year with my students we go to a conference southeast journalism conference where just as a footnote we always win best magazine of the south so for a little tiny Christian college going against all these big schools is a big nice, deal. yeah, yeah, as a little flex there for our our program uu.edu/comarts. Check us out. <laughs> um, but I'm traveling with my students, and it's an exercise in like two things: one, watching them get coffee. They get coffee all the live long day, right? Uh-huh. It's it's like a part time job for them to go and get coffee, and the coffee order. It gets printed out as this little paragraph on that sure. sticker, right? And if your quarter is like, if your order is like, uh, I'll take it black with like sweetener, that's that's unacceptable. You know, the order has to be a paragraph. It, it's like a personality test. You know, it, it says some things about you. So we're doing that. But then at night, they like introducing me to stuff like pop culture things. And they know that like, I want more than any other thing to be a wharf guy. Like I want to have a boat. I want to like lash it to a harbor. I want to be a wharf guy. They're like, Cluck, you have to watch Outer Banks. Are you guys familiar with the show Outer Banks? No, I am not. Okay. It's on Netflix. It's a wharf show. It's, <laughs> it's unspeakably stupid. It's really dumb. <laughs> but it's like the, the, it was almost like a 90s show in that they get like hot 30-year-olds to play like high school kids. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's, a, there's a, like a sunken treasure element to it. So it's They've got never little, called me for any of these shows. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's got a little bit of a, like a Hardy Boys vibe to it. And it's really fun, despite being really stupid. Like, all the dudes have, like, just these mountains of hair. I think they have, like, 30% more hair than, like, normal people. And they all unbutton their shirts down to, like, here. They keep one button buttoned, you know, in case they have a job interview. But um, it's strange. But I really enjoy the show. And I would have never known it were it not for the students. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, I have to be careful what I I watch with young people. If there is, like... Ever since I became a dad, my mm-hmm. my son's four. I have a one-year-old daughter. Um, if there's a, a father-son storyline, like yeah. Into the Spider-Verse, then my my eyes tear up. Like Same. movies that I'd seen before uh, and re-watching it, if, the, if there's like a, a father-son dynamic, like my, my wife will turn to me and, and start smiling. Yeah. Like, you tearing up yet? I'm, <laughs> like, I'm emotional as it is as, as yeah. a musician, but that just like cuts Feel the, the dreams? You feel the dreams the guy quick. where they have, he has a catch with his dead dad at the end? I have not seen oh, Feel the Dreams. Oh, dude, that one will wreck you on the father-son yeah. level in a, in a good way. I'm a big oh, good. fan. Oh, good. When yeah. I need a good cry. When you need a good cry, absolutely. I don't love my children enough to have that that, that impact. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Peter's like a razor blade. Too, too he watches mu- those, shit, those shows. What's, what's all the buzz about, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that, it, it might be worth delving into. Speaking of fatherhood, you've uh, adopted mm-hmm. two sons from the Ukraine. Yeah. Tell us how, how that came about. You, you shared a, a yeah. at least one story yeah. uh, about that process at chapel. But yeah, I and mean, presumably, you since you wrote a book about this, I feel like this is fair game. It is fair game. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there, there, there are many stories in the book, like 200 pages worth. But uh, no, we it came about because... After college, we did a thing that lots of young kind of quote unquote evangelical kids do, which is just goof off on the mission field for a year before they start real life. Mm. And that'll offend some people. (laughs) Um, But that's kind of what it is. It's kind of what it was for us. It's not goofing off for everybody. But we spent this year in Lithuania and we were we were teachers. We were doing real work. 
Um, but we got to also volunteer in some orphanages in the evenings and, you know, we were, we were emotional in our early twenties and it was hard. It was pretty heartbreaking. You know, it seemed like there was an orphanage on every street corner and lots of need there. And so we decided to adopt from Eastern Europe. I think when we, when we were like 26, 27 and Lithuania was closed at that time. So we just went with the next closest Eastern European country with the same culture. And it happened to be Ukraine. Hmm. And, um, it was wild, corrupt. Um, you know, they, they get you into the country multiple times as, as many times as they can and bleed you dry financially. But, um, but we have two lovely boys to show for it and lots of stories of the Lord's faithfulness and lots of funny stories and lots of stuff that we share with them. And, Man, I mean, it's just been tremendous. Um, and it allowed us to see and experience a different part of the world, you know. Um, and it was just wild. But uh, but yeah, a lot of near misses and almost getting your money stolen and cop stuff. And it's, it's amazing it ever works out. But it worked out twice, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and we had infertility in between. So mm-hmm. we decided to adopt before we even had tried to have kids um, biologically, which was either a really cool idea or just like a massive dose of hubris, you know, on our part. But at any rate, um, we did that. We adopted Tristan first and then we came back and, and tried to have a biological child and um, couldn't, which if anybody's gone through that, um, you know, it's devastating. And we were in the young reformed church at the time, which was like the, the fertile crescent, you know, (laughs) babies just literally flying out of people left and right. (laughs) You know, you're like dodging them in the lobby. Uh, it's insane at reformed churches, but, um, it was a tough place to be infertile. Um, a lot of, a lot of hard feelings there, but, um, but yeah, ended up going back a few years later to adopt Maxim and, um, he's here with me this week. So, yeah, it's awesome. Dave, can I jump in on some Susquad things? Yeah. You, you might, all right. Uh, so this is the Susquad cast, so I feel like we should talk about Susquad a little bit. Um, not much, not much. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I like getting this perspective because you, um, Ted, you've no previous experience with Susquad uh, before being here. Uh, maybe a few words of warning from Barnabas, possibly. Um, not much. Good. Yeah. Okay. So coming in just like, like typically most of our, well, guests on this show typically have been involved with Susquehanna for some time. Um, and typically pe- like our, our speakers usually have some kind of connection. Sure. Um, so you're kind of, you're, you're kind of a, a unicorn for us yeah, in, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, give, give us hot takes on Susquehanna. Like, and, and this is, be brutal here. Like, this is, uh, we can edit this however we want, make it look good. So you can just. Hot takes on stuff. Yeah. Just like, like from you, you got here, you've, you've been here for almost 24 hours. Yeah, man. What a whirlwind. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> just, I'm just curious, like what, uh, cause I love getting the perspective of like yeah. an outsider coming in. Yeah. And what. Especially since like Peter's never been an outsider. He, right. he grew up. Right. I was born, I was born in the observatory. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. right. It's been, uh, number of years since I was new to Susquehanna. So first yeah. impressions. Yeah. These are all going to be compliments because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> and <laughs> no, give, give us the it's authentic uh, though. So, cause I, I, I always like the joke. Like I, I often joke cause Barnabas, like he will point out the idiosyncrasies regularly yeah. to yeah. us about, and like, and I always respond, well, you can't spell, culture without cult 
yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. So, so there's definitely some of those weird, yeah, the weird like traditions and so forth. But I, so I always love just getting the perspective of the outsiders on even on even the weirdness. So, yeah. so so hit us, dude. A little breaking news before we do that. I just got literally I got a text from a colleague while we're on the air. Hey, Cluck, T Swift and Maddie Healy broke up. So <laughs> look at is, that. <laughs> like it takes a village to get Cluck. Right. Yeah. Celebrity news, apparently. But yeah. uh, I'm just glad I wasn't wrong. I was. Uh, I was a little nervous that I was. We may have to suss some of this out. Is though. this? Is this? Is she gonna be all weepy at the next family picnic, though? That's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She may <laughs> talk to you now. This is your. This is your way in to like. No, no, no. This is. This is where she gets into the. Way. This is where she gets into the studio and just writes some bangers because this is. That's oh, what break, she needs. Material yeah, is, is what she does. I mean, she's, she's going to have like five number one hits coming up soon. It's, she's the Michael yeah. Jordan of breakup material. No, I my my very first impression and a, another impression that was reinforced today. Not of T Swizzle of Susqua. No, we're back okay. to Susqua. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Elite food, right? So I, I roll up, and the plan was. Mazzy and I are going to roll in for dinner last night, which we did. We made it in right before the dinner bell. So we kind of literally get out of our car and we, we head over for dinner. And I'm thinking camp food. Eh, you know, this is going to be an exercise in getting to know people. We're not, we're not coming for the cuisine. But then a crazy thing happened, boys. Like you, you've got brisket, elite brisket from Big, Big, Dan's, bar- Big, Big Dan's, Dan's Barbecue. Shout out Big Dan. No free shout outs. He's got a barbecue podcast, just so you know. Yeah, I believe a, it. Yeah. Big Dan is a, he's he's an elite man of the people. So we had some brisket um, that tasted really good. I overdid it a little bit on that. I probably went too hard on the brisket. We had a nice little side of hipster mac and cheese, and I'm like, man, for a camp, this is outrageous. And then today, uh, like wood oven pizzas. So you had like a, a legitimate like gentleman uh, from from the pizza industry, like. Firing up wood ovens, making like... Friend of Susqua. Friend of Susqua, making like crazy elite concoctions. So we had like a buffalo chicken option. I had a calzone at one point. And people are just shoving slices of pizza in front of me like, Cluck, eat this. <laughs> like everybody watch the fat guy eat, you know, kind of thing. Like I'm a, like, I'm a clown, you know. So, and I, of course, being Midwestern, I had to accept all of it and say yes. But um, the food, the food experience has been elite. We are in just a beautiful kind of cradle of geography here in the valley and you know woke up this morning took a run it's a little mist you know a little a little fog a little kind of cloud cover in the valley and that was gorgeous um so it's just a very livable place geographically it's easy on the eyes as they say you know Mm -hmm. so and i'm a i'm a i'm a terrible outdoorsman Okay, I suck at hiking, so thanks for taking me on my second hike of the day this afternoon, going down to the water there. I didn't. I, I managed to dress poorly for both of my hiking experiences, but um, but I do love a beautiful vista, and um, yeah, this place offers that in droves. Now you got your, um, and I'm bloviating you, David. Jump in and stop me if I'm. No, no. Yeah, so far this has been great. I yeah, love. Yeah, this. Yeah. we've got two more I'm, hours, so yeah. This <laughs> yeah, is a two and a half hour podcast. I, I'm still waiting for all the criticisms. You're, you're yeah. buttering us up. No, no here's, here's another nice thing. The the so I come in for dinner and you've got every camp has their own sort of little idiosyncratic inside joke kind of gestures and and phrases and. I didn't know any of them, right, due to being an outsider. But it was just kind of nice to me that, like, you had that. So I'm, I'm sitting there at dinner. I'm, I'm wrapping up. I'm watching you guys do all that. That was a lot of fun. Um, the, the worship time was fun because 
it's a lot of the same songs we do at our church and a lot of the songs we do at Camp Barakal. So we knew, we knew most of the songs, mm. which was fun. Um, I, I, I think in general, what I'm getting at here as an introvert and especially as a Midwestern introvert, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me to drive somewhere to meet a bunch of new people. Like that's not a thing that I would do apart from, you know, the warm, rich bond of Christ. But that being said, you know, rolling up here, knowing we're going to be with like-minded believers in a beautiful place. Um, it just seemed really warm and, and kind of, com- kind of comfortable, uh, right from the jump. The composting toilets are weird. Yeah, um, we- <laughs> I told Maxim because you, you, you sort of, you open the toilet and you look down into it and it, and it appears to go forever, just like down into hell. Right. Yeah, so, it's, it's exactly where it goes. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. where it's to the pit of hell. And I, I said to my son, you know, don't drop your phone down there. Yeah, Do not it's, drop it's your phone the down there. Hell. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was a little bit of a, of a, a gearing up process for that, but, uh, you, no, you're in good company with that. I, I, not many of us actually like those. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just different. Right. And I'm sure it's, it's, it's all about getting people away from what they're used to. And, right. and apparently yeah. flush toilets is one of those things we're getting people <laughs> away right. from. You know, another thing I noticed, though, and this is a shout out to a couple of the gentlemen that I that I met today who clean the camp and who mow the camp. And Barakal's like this, too. She's just exceedingly clean and well-maintained. And people work really, really hard to do that. And I always I always want to have to people who do that because it's easy to take it for granted, but yeah, just so clean. And, and that's part of, it's part of good hospitality, right? You're welcoming people in and you want to give them a, a great experience and um, y'all do that really well. So I want, I'm curious, did Piper say anything sort of mean or critical in this space? Like this time that you provided, well, for we that? had to cut an hour of the podcast off because <laughs> yeah. of what his comments, like he, I mean, but now anyway, it was all constructive. We were able to make, you know, yeah. vast jumps. You've changed and the whole direction yeah, of the I mean, camp as a result. Because his, his, his insight was so keen yeah. and helpful. Uh, See, but, I'm more of an was, encourager. It was tough. It was yeah. tough to. Yeah. No, but he, yeah, it, was, it was great. To, I, I don't know if I asked this specific question to Piper uh, yeah. specifically. You know, I did find it funny when he returned on on the next happy rant i i think there was a, a very backhanded compliment he said there's there's nothing cool about camp oh, ministry yeah. oh. and so i yeah. it warmed my heart to think maybe i'm that not cool guy that yeah. that and you're was, like uh, clearly you didn't see my shoes you know <laughs> right yeah i didn't have the shoes yet that's, yeah yeah you didn't have your didn't midlife see, crisis didn't see my socks oh my, yeah. my cluck so socks i want to because this is radio not television i want to paint a picture here for the listeners peter's wearing a pair of officially licensed brand new Cluck podcast socks. So in addition to that little kind of forgettable show, The Happy Rant, uh, I'm also the co-host of a show called Cluck. We have our own gear. This is the summer of gear on the Cluck podcast. So go uh, to any of the social media outlets, look up the Cluck podcast. You can see the link for the socks. Uh, It's the hardest working sock in show business, boys. It's like the Indiana farm kit of socks. So uh, get yourself a pair. You won't. Well, I'll, I'll put it through this, the paces, but I mean, people, when I wear a sock, people have some expectations mm-hmm. for like just information you're, you're a bit about of a sock, sock quality. Yeah. I, I am. Yeah. And I mean, I, my other podcast, Sock Talk mm-hmm. is uh, that. <laughs> sock Talk is huge. You know, <laughs> yeah, massive. obviously. Yeah. But uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how the socks hold up in a, yeah. In a few yeah, weeks. Yeah. Put them through we'll, their paces. Yeah, Let we'll, me know. 
We'll get some good feedback out mm. there. I mean, you can expect if you get the the Peter Swift sock endorsement. Mm-hmm. You'll see some sock sales. That's massive. Yeah, that's going to be huge for us. And we'll just make sure our infrastructure as a company is, is ready for that. <laughs> that's like getting Michael Jordan to endorse Nike. You know, you guys may have seen that movie Air. I, I think Not yet, but Not I yet. definitely want to. to. I need that's to pursue bit, yeah. Peter in the self-same fashion that Sonny Vaccaro pursued Michael Jordan. You know, and really woo. There you go. And, dr- and draw him to become kind of the... The flagship endorser of the Cluck podcast sock. Well, it's gotten to the point where I don't pay for socks anymore. Yeah, they're coming I, to you. I get, uh, they're coming they're to me, coming and, I, to and this is an example of it. And that's it, such a flex. Yeah. What, what do you think uh, is a bigger flex? You've, you've known Peter for a while. I don't know how many times you've probably heard the backflip story about into the river off the thing. And Oh, yeah. You've heard that story a few times. But All the time. This flex about, like, I don't pay for my socks is, like, a pretty significant one. I, I think that's bigger. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I get the impression that uh, his wife, Lindsay, is, is less impressed mm. by the backflip than... Uh, I than got that impression, too, due to him saying she was not impressed by my backflip. <laughs> and I, I kind of commiserated with him about that. That's hard. Yeah. Because oh. you do a move like that in order to be impressive to mm-hmm. people. And then a bunch of people are impressed, but the one person who you really want to be impressed isn't. That's yeah. got to be just like existentially tough, you know? You're doing some soul searching that night, aren't you? I'm still. Still. still to this yeah. day, I could tell out there, like you you got me out there under the pretenses of kind of wanting to show me the valley and stuff. But I, I think it was more of a, more like a counseling it, moment. It was. You yeah. were out there on your metaphorical chaise lounge <laughs> swiping that insurance card and I was just giving some counsel, you know? Keep digging, buddy, is what I would say. Let's just keep digging. Let's keep working through it. Maybe we'll get Lindsay on the program and we can... We could do a little couples therapy here about the about the backflip story. Go. She better not listen to this episode because <laughs> <laughs> she's she's going to know exactly what it. She knows that like the, you, the, you take every yeah. speaker out there. Yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. like Paul Tripp. Hey, this, yeah. this cliff face reminds me of a time when. Yeah. Well, that's where I got the real counseling. That yeah, 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 was, yeah, got, exactly. got my money's worth that time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, I wanted to end with maybe a, a fun question or two, and this is. Another question that I haven't asked any of our other guests yeah. before, but uh, if you're not familiar with, with Ted's work, I think his sense of humor will appreciate it. What's the best insult you've ever received? Best insult you've ever received? Huh. You know, growing up in public school in the 80s and 90s with the last name of Cluck, like you, you either, <laughs> that either breaks you or you become like a very tough person. So I, I think I got, I got probably toughened up by that. Um, best insult. Gosh, you've, you've, you've really caught me off guard here. I don't know that I could think of one. Um, I'm trying to think of those like damning with faint praise moments. You oh, know? yeah. Um, there was this guy and I'm not going to say who it was, but we had this kid. He just graduated from my school and he was, he was famous for a certain kind of compliment giving. And he was, he was known campus wide for this. My son and I have talked about this at length and he was the kind of guy who would sidle up to you fully meaning to compliment you. I think in his heart, he was giving you a compliment. He'd sidle up and he'd be like, you know what? Cluck. Almost everybody here loves you. And being the kind of person I am, I come away from that interaction just like killing myself for the almost. I'm like, let's parse that. You know, like, were were you trying to like murder me with that comment? And he kind of always had one of those for me. 
you know, like, like Cluck, your, your glasses are kind of cool. <laughs> well, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, kind of, we, we maybe didn't have to say anything, you know, we could have just <laughs> let it That's go. Great. But, uh, I tend to get a lot of that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nice. Or, or like when I did, when I would do the books with Kevin, um, they, people referring to them as the Kevin DeYoung books, mm. you know, I'm like, that hurts my feelings, yeah. you know? Um, so I guess we're now I'm on the chase lounge. Now I'm swiping the insurance card. There right? you go. And you guys are, we're, we're uncovering some things in my heart. When, when we Why release the chapel recordings, you'll hear how, uh, Ted made Kevin famous. Yeah, that's well, true. I want to hear Dave. Dave, do you have an answer to that question? I mean, you asked it. You got to be willing to. Oh, that's that's fair. Mm. Um, <laughs> gonna have to have a long pause here. Maybe edit it out mm. before we release. Well, if you want to talk over me, I've I've got one because it's not a good one, but I can yeah. I can share one. Like I had a teacher in high school, and he I wasn't the only one he would insult this way. Um, it was more clever than really like mean. Yeah, but he would always he'd be like Swift. You were my second favorite person. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you'd wait because you'd, you'd have to ask, like, okay, yeah. who, okay. who's, who's first? Yeah. Everybody else is tied. Oh. oh, that's tough. What do you think was going on there with him? I just, he would. Were you threat? Were you like a threat to him in some way? I mean, I'm, I'm a threat to anybody in You're, some way. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> he, he just, he, it was one of the, he was one of those teachers that just had like lots of catchphrases. Okay. And yeah. it would just, that was like one he'd of just them. just throw them out. Just he would, all, my, if yeah. we skipped a chapter in the textbook, uh-huh. he would, he'd be like, okay. And just like the house of pain says, we are going to oh. jump around. Oh, that's solid. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's very public school teacher. Oh, uh, yeah. and, and, or he'd, he'd, the, what was the, what's the movie with Martin Short, Steve Martin, and, uh, Yes, yeah. he would. He would uh, the the plethora line, a oh. myriad, a plethora, a veritable yes. cornucopia of homework like, today. He'd like, be like Peter. Do you know what a plethora means? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, would you say that you have a plethora of homework? Right. <laughs> it's so it's, dad and so uh, like yeah. public school teacher all wrapped into he, one. He was also he was a former professional wrestler. Get out of town! And he looked like it. Like he you was know, huge, you know, and broken up face. M- Mr. Morgan, if you're listening, I'm I'm sorry about this, but he like. He'd clearly been on the receiving end of some, like, you know, folding chairs and things like that. I wrote that. a book about professional wrestling once. Yeah? What was his, like, ring name? Do you know? I have no idea. And wow. this, this, is, this is going back a long, back long, long time. Way, yeah. And I think for him, professional wrestling was long before, okay. like, 10th grade civics teacher. So he was, like, on the circuit and, like, you know, the, the dark ages with it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, he was he was a he was a pretty big kind of intimidating guy. Then he'd pull yeah. out those like really lame jokes, and it yeah. was uh, it humanized him. Yeah, it was helpful. exactly. So, Dave, was that enough time for your insult? You know, I I don't know that I can recall a specific insult, mm. but I've got an embarrassing moment because I I just remember in third grade we uh, our our teacher Mr. A deep, deep dive Mantica. into Dave's history. Yeah, it's my turn. You to, guys keep digging. I know we're swiping <laughs> the insurance on the, card. Let's do on it on the couch. And, yeah, um, but he would let us do just like Friday afternoon before the bell rang to get on the the bus. We'd do our little performances, mm. uh, and I was uh, really into the Backstreet Boys. That's was like. Wow, their, their heyday, and mm. uh, so my my friend, who also happened to be named David, we were like, we're gonna we're gonna sing and dance the the Backstreet Boys, mm. and so he sang and I danced, uh, and I was I was working hard, 
Um, and the, the class just started laughing at me. Oh. And um, so I, I tried to play it off like I was yeah. intentionally, intentionally being a, a very bad dancer. I'm doing this ironically. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and from that moment on, uh, maybe it was good, actually started a trend, but everyone else who, who came on following Fridays would, would do the goofiest dances. Oh. They just didn't know that I, I was actually trying hard. So I, sure. I learned that day. Man. Eight years never old. Never try hard. Never try. Yeah. <laughs> never try hard. And so how I think did my job performance has yeah. shown that? <laughs> exactly. It's the, the title of this episode. Never. And try. how did that make you feel? <laughs> it uh, like I, I skated away with something. Some with, soul searching with barely some dignity in, yeah. intact. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, we never, <laughs> never listened to the Backstreet Boys after that, though. Did that ruin that on you? Uh, the there, Backstreet? there were other reasons I think yeah. that I stopped listening to the Backstreet Boys, uh, and yet their music still comes up here at Susquehanna. We, we always Does have it? some staff that end up singing. Uh, Dude, I was in a, I was in a metal band one time that we covered "I Want It That Way," and we did it as, as a metal song. Oh, and that we, sounds. Fire, as I, the youths would say. I, I they, could, they don't say that anymore, Dave. Uh, that's yeah, okay, I, Dave. See, I wouldn't know. I don't do phrases. Like, there, yeah. there are certain phrases, like youth culture phrases, that I just know. Like, my students taught me right at the end of this last semester about Riz. Are you familiar with Riz? Yeah. Like, being a, being a Riz god or like a Rizzler. Like, Riz is short for charisma. Uh, and they, they began to use this. And I, I just, in a very academic kind of cold way, I, I'll just ask, like, what's Riz? Like, you guys explain Riz to me. And they'll do it, and then I'll run it through this rubric of like, is that on the table for me to use or not? And the, the overwhelmingly like Riz, and I was I was there too. I can't use it; it would sound ridiculous. But um, you know, I'm I'm happy to get that information from them. Well, I like to learn those new words and phrases and ruin it for the staff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I will I will That's immediately a kind of dad move. I will it immediately really incorporate it as frequently as possible. Yeah. Kind of misuse it, kind of butcher. Oh it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, fun. I just, I get so much joy from watching them cringe, and there you it's go. yeah, yeah. And then I also get so much joy from hearing them use cringe in a in other way, in other uses, mm. and yeah. yeah, cringe used to be like a verb. Yeah, it used to be something you did. Like I, cr- um, yeah, like I'm cringing now. Cringe now something is, can be cringe. Something can be cringe. Yeah, cringe is an adjective. Yeah, now it's an adjective. Man, yeah. the world's moving so. So fast, you guys. It is. You know? When people listen to this section of the podcast, they will describe it as Christian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perhaps, perhaps that is Three true, older white men lamenting their out-of-touchness. You know. <laughs> Out-of-touch. Well, we, well, you're clearly defense. not. You're getting text updates on pop culture yeah, icons. I've just got a good, I've got a good support network. You know, in in my defense, I never had my finger on the pulse of pop culture, even as... Uh, a youth myself. No, so. you were doing that Backstreet Boys number. You were working on the singing <laughs> into the hairbrush at, at well, night in uh, your mirror. The, you know, the, it's true. The, <laughs> the boy band phase was real. Yeah. Morning. Well, uh, we're we're at over an hour. Uh, I feel like we could go on, but at the risk of being even more cringe, uh, I did have one more question for you, Ted. And this Fire is away. a uh, Susquehanna tradition. Uh-huh. I don't think you've been exposed to yet, but our support staff every day will. Uh, gather and share something that they're thankful for. Uh-huh. But now, now this is where we, we can harken back to how how little grace is often in reformed communities. Uh-huh. <laughs> because this is this is the time of day uh, that we let our inner Pharisee out. Because mm-hmm. we can't just have gratitude. We have to have gratitude in very specific 
ways with a lot of unnecessary rules. A lot of strings attached. So, yeah. <laughs> so when you're, you know, for this practice, this discipline of intentional gratitude, which I could go on about for a long time, how good and important this is. White paper about it. Yeah. 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 Uh, that being said, our rules, which I think are well-intentioned for the most part, um, first of all, it's got to be specific. Yeah. You cannot be vague about what you're thankful for, Ted. You, yeah. you can't just say, oh, man, I'm thankful for a good day. Yeah. Unacceptable. Yeah. And Dave, as the host of this program, is the arbiter of what is yeah. acceptable. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, it's specific. It's got to be recent in the last yeah. 24 hours. Yeah. So, even if you had a bad day, there's got to be something you Gosh, can pull it's out. It's been a brutal day. Yeah. You know, you can probably see it all over my face. Just the, the rictus of misery. It's good yeah, that this is radio and not television. Yeah. Yeah, all the right. bad things about Susquehanna that we've cut out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this was, yeah, Dave point. said this is at what hour? It's actually at three, but. All the stuff said, you've yeah. had to bleep out, yeah. you know. Um, so, specific, recent. Uh, we don't, there's less of a danger of repeats. It's got to be unique. Usually with yeah. a larger group, repeats are un, you know, it's well, also I've just got flat out mandatory. I've no, no, no. That you're missing. Yeah, I got to finish the rules. One. Okay. You cannot have multiple. No yeah. excessive gratitude. N- n- yeah, you cannot. You cannot <laughs> yeah. have extra gratitude yeah. toward God for the things that He has done for you. you can only be thankful yeah, for just one, the thing. one thing. Yeah. No, now, now there fine. are ways around that rule. <laughs> yeah. As many right. people, yeah, you because know, we we find our ways to to introduce sin into these th- the good yeah. practices. Boy, and, I know that's the human heart. And, and uh, yeah. you know, the most common way is you could introduce your thankful by saying. I could be thankful for thus and thus. I'm actually going to do it in a more creative way. Okay, let's hear it. Um, it's it's going to be a bit of a narrative. So, traveling as we are, um, it hasn't been the healthiest like 72 hours of eating of my life. Okay? So, as I'm going through the line uh, today for lunch with my son, Maxim, whose friendship I'm deeply thankful for, uh, I was especially thankful to see a salad, like a lovely salad and more than just a camp salad, right? We had some nice toppings, some nice options. Um, I built myself a big salad. I felt really healthy. It was like the first gram of fiber that I'd had in three days. And I, I was very like specifically thankful for that while enjoying it in the company of my son, whose friendship I'm also very thankful for. So that's technically one thing, but... Yeah, you know, that, I, man- I managed yeah. to sneak a second thing in there. That that passes muster. That was solid. Gosh, I appreciate work. it. Yeah, yeah, that makes me feel good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we we also traditionally let the person who goes first uh, pick who, like which direction around the circle goes next. About, so, the, so, about uh, the thankfulness. R- r- right. So um, I'm going to let you go next because you've done such a fantastic job of hosting this podcast. Oh, you, you flatter me. Um, I, I was really thankful. My... Um, my in-laws are in town. They're they're from Michigan. Sorry to hear, actually, that. and yeah, <laughs> for both parts of that, both the in-laws yeah, yeah. visiting and also from Michigan. Uh, Those are, uh, they, I, just, I believe, just kidding. Their church sends some kids to Camp Barakel, actually. Uh, but I I was thankful that my um, father-in-law took out my my son, you know, aforementioned four-year-old Josiah, and they they just had like a grandpa grandson ice cream date and oh. brought me back an alabaster milkshake so oh, that, that's a that solid was a good situation time. there you go yeah i like that peter that's a, that's a good thankful i i could choose to be thankful for so many different which is just a, th- a flex on how amazing my life is yeah it really is it'd be better um, if you would instagram but, yeah. aspects of it and let us all be <laughs> oh no i will later don't, yeah, don't yeah, worry later, right. yeah um you you won't see any of it yeah. um 
But I think probably the most, the thing I'm, I'm most thankful for right now is uh, just any excuse to get up to Rock Run. Uh, I, I, I took Ted up to see uh, Susquehanna campus and uh, any excuse I have to, to just run up and see Rock Run. I'm very thankful just for you know the opportunity to just be immersed in that particular bit of God's uh, creation and beauty. Yeah. Um, and if I had a second thankful, I would say I am thankful that I uh, avoided the temptation mm. of jumping in in my clothes because it uh, the yeah. water looked good. There were some kids jumping in in really lame ways, yeah. and I could have just gone up and like. Dave, I want you Been to know cool, what a, but what I a didn't crucible we were in out there. Oh, I'm sure. And when I say we, I mean Peter. Um, <laughs> That's he, why he's the boss with that kind of self-control. Oh, I know. And he's just a he's just an oak tree of self-control. But he was practically begging me to beg him to jump I, in. Exactly what I was and doing. And there, there was a lot swirling around there emotionally that I, I felt both drawn to and, and like I didn't want to push too far, yeah. you know. So, I, I hear this. I'll just say this. I'm glad we kept you out of the water today, but I'm a little disappointed too. You know what I mean? I knew you'd be disappointed. Yeah. I should have jumped. I, I have mixed feelings. I'm not disappointed in you though. I'm disappointed in myself for not pushing you a little more because it would have taken so little and those uh, clothes would be soaked. Yeah. Just you know? uh, anything would have... Uh, <laughs> I would have been holding your wallet you over and your the glasses edge. and it would have been a bit of a deal, wouldn't it? And my, my wedding ring, so your I wouldn't wedding lose ring, a second I would have needed like a bag to hold all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Your Apple Watch, you know. Yeah. There, there's still hope. There's always the chance he could end up getting creaked at dinner today. So, we'll... Mm-hmm. Not the we'll same as a jump into Rock Run. Vigilant. Yeah. There's that's, no way you can look cool fair. while being creaked here, mm. especially when the water's low. Mm-hmm. But doing a you know a triple gainer into rock run can look cool. Peter, do you have diving in your background? Like I do diving? not. No. Yeah. So you're never up on the platform in the speedo and kind of. Oh, diving. I mean, I absolutely am. I'm just not very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Interesting. Yeah. That is the way we like to close podcasts with people imagining me wearing a speedo, up on a platform. Up on that pedestal in a speedo. And with that, (laughs) thanks for joining us around the proverbial campfire, Ted. And thank you, listeners. We'll see you next time. (laughs) For more information about Camp Susqua, be sure to visit our website at susqua.org. We'll give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever.